Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am John Ledyard. Along with me is my boss over at pewterreport.com, Scott Reynolds. And this podcast, as always, is energized by our friends over at Celsius. Scott Bucks, Saints, preview, playoffs. It does not get any better than this, does it? This is exactly, if you're talking storylines, I know Bucks fans may be nervous because they've lost five in a row to the Saints, but man, if you're talking storylines and all kinds of narratives and matchups, and I mean, for us doing this show and me in the media, I mean, it doesn't get any better than this matchup. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it reminds me a lot of 2002 when the Eagles used to have the Bucks number. Right. And whether it was in, in the, the playoffs in 2000 and 2001, the regular season uh, in 2001 and 2002, they just had the Bucks number until the Bucks finally beat the bully, the Saints. That's right. The Saints are the bully right now. That mm-hmm. They vanquished the bully, which is the Eagles, back in 2002 in the NFC championship game. But right now, it's a new bully. It's not the Eagles, it's the Saints. That's right. And it's even more personal because it's in the division, John. And this is a team that has not just been a bully from a scoreboard standpoint. They've also been a bully on the field. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch versus Mike Evans. Cam Jordan and his antics versus uh, Tampa Bay's running backs and offensive line. So yeah, it, it's been it's been a struggle for the Bucks. They've lost five straight, including four straight under the, the Bruce Arians regime. And uh, and John hasn't even really been close. Yeah. In, uh, in in the Bruce Arians regime. And that's what really has me concerned is it's not so much the play on the field because um, I, I think when you look at the turnover ratio, you look at Drew Brees, right? He's got six touchdown passes this year, no interceptions. You look at Tom Brady, two touchdown passes, five interceptions in those two losses. It's been the players, but it's also been the coaching staff. And I just, I feel that Sean Payton and Dennis Allen have outcoached Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. And um, I'm not going to give away my prediction right now, but um, I'm kind of going to play a role in it. I'm kind of setting it up to it's, this is not just a, a Tom Brady, a Donovan Smith versus Trey Hendrickson thing, a yeah. Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lynch thing. This is also the sidelines of the Buccaneers versus the sidelines of the Saints. Right. And uh, something has to change, something has to give if the Buccaneers are going to prevail in New Orleans and finally beat the bully and finally beat the Saints in advance to the playoffs. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, it's one of those games, man. I called it in the preview for this when I was setting up the preview for this podcast. I said it's the biggest game in franchise, you know, in my opinion, since that's since the Super Bowl, you know, for yeah. since 2002. Like, even though they've been in the playoffs a couple times since then, you know, right after that, it, it's this is bigger, man. Like, because what this team can accomplish – yeah. You know, but is even though the roster's talented, there is a window with Brady, right? That's the most important piece. That's right. The window with Brady, and so what this team can accomplish in the next couple of years, you know, with Brady, as long as he stays, you know, upright and healthy and, and doesn't fall off physically, and this is one of those years. And the Saints have been the team that's always stood in the way of kind of what what's next for the box. Right. And so this is the kind of matchup. I mean, honestly, if you're talking about a team that needs to take the next step in terms of growth. The Packers, you know, beating them obviously it qualifies as the next step, but it doesn't not, nothing as significant as a victory or whatever over the Saints would be. So this is it's yeah. exactly where it should be, in my opinion, Scott. And all of it, all of the things yeah. we're talking about on this show today are going to be brought to us by our good friends over at yeah. Celsius.
John, Celsius heat. I've got a little strawberry dragon fruit today. Haven't tried that one yet. How is it compared to the jackfruit? Because we both have tried this. I think I like it more than the jackfruit. I think if really? I'm eating the heat, the heat okay. one from blueberry pomegranate, obviously. Okay. Strawberry dragon fruit and then jackfruit, I think. But I like all three of them, though. I've only tried the, the jackfruit yet, and it's it's good. Maybe that's why I'm sticking with it. But yeah, I've yet to try the blueberry pomegranate, the strawberry <laughs> dragon fruit. I'm going to try those this week, and uh, and I'll give you my opinion on those other ones on Sunday. Now, the thing that's different about the Celsius uh, heat is, you know, and we, we know that Celsius powers active lives with everyday functional mm -hmm. energy, right? What's yep. different about the heat is it really is performance energy in that it, it's got a roster of key vitamins, 2,000 milligrams of L-citrulline and 300 milligrams of caffeine. And this is a performance energy drink that's designed to increase thermogenesis and give you a boost of energy. So it's supposed to, to kind of give you that little bit of, of heat to get your, your body going. And, yeah. and, um, and this, this is really um, what, what I like to use when I'm, I'm going to go to the gym. It's not that, that Celsius, the regular Celsius products, the sparkling, um, aren't good for pre-workouts. I use those mostly to keep me awake. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I need those on Mondays for sure. Uh, after working all day on Sunday, covering the Buccaneers. But when I want to go to the gym, when I want to get a good workout in, the Celsius heat, I think, really uh, gets my workouts to the next level. John, what do you right. say? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, t I drink these at any time, but definitely before workout in the morning when I wake up. Um, lately, I've been a, a I've been afternoon a couple times getting to the gym in the afternoon. So having one of these, that's normally the time where I need one of these anyway. Yeah. And so they've been great for that. But Honestly, just like the taste, I let you know you're not supposed to let kids drink them. I think, but I let Kaylee have like my my four year old daughter have like a tiny sip of one just to see it, and she walked around the rest of the night. She was like, oh, "I love it. It was so good." And I was like, "I can't leave you have more. I'm sorry." And just John, I'm, I'm telling you, and and listen, this is not part of the script. This is this is the God's honest truth. This is nothing that Celsius told me or paid me to say. <laughs> The flavors on these, it's the best tasting energy drink oh, that yeah. I've ever had. And, and the flavors, when they talk about, you know, peach vibe or orange or grape or the strawberry uh, kiwi, I mean, they nail the flavors. They, yeah, they, they do. They taste exactly like they're supposed to. Right. It doesn't have that artificial, um, you know, flavor to it. Right. And what I like about it is no sugar, so there's no crash. When, right. I, when I want energy, like uh, when I drink a Celsius heat, I, I don't just want energy. I, I don't want to crash. Right. And with other energy drinks, I'm not going to name their names. And I used to drink other energy drinks before I found out about Celsius. I would get that crash. Yeah. And um, and that's no fun to have three or four hours worth of energy. Then all of a sudden, boom, you crash. Right. I, I've yet to experience any crash with Celsius. And John, we certainly don't want the Buccaneers to crash in New Orleans, right? I mean, no. uh, we want this team right. to continue to advance. They they certainly played well enough to win in Washington. But um, where do we start with this game? Do we start with with what with what we're excited about heading into um, New Orleans from the Tampa Bay's perspective, or are we do we start with our concerns about well, the Saints for the third time? Where do you want to begin? Well, well, let's start with addressing the fact that yes, Brandon, I am a backwards hat guy. I see some people realizing that I have in fact on the backwards hat. This is a direct call out. If Colin Coward would like to address my backwards hat, he, he's willing to, he's willing to do that. He can. Um, I think Baker Mayfield, uh, who even though he beat the Steelers, which obviously is my team, 
Um, I think that he has made all of us believers in the backward hat and what it signifies and that it can win in the playoffs. So appreciate that about him and wearing the backwards hat today because that's the kind of mentality the Bucks have to come into this game with, Scott. They have to be they have to have the energy. I almost want a guy during the media availability to stand up and be like, you know what? Like, yeah, we think we're going into New Orleans and take them out. Like, that's what we're doing. Yeah. I want that kind of energy from the Bucks. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't think it's not that they, I'm saying they don't have that. I'm just saying that that mental edge, that's what the that's what the Saints have. And the Bucks yeah. have to counter with some of that of their own. They have to come with that level of nastiness and physicality and aggressiveness. I don't think they had that on defense against Washington. I'm just going to be honest. I don't think they had that kind of energy. I thought it was a very lackluster performance for them. And I hope they kick it to another level. It certainly sounds like Bruce Arians realizes that group needs to play at another level in this next game, or they're going to get run out of the building. I mean, that's the, that's the way that he seems like he's been phrasing it um, over the last couple times that we've talked to him in media availability. He was not content or pleased with that performance and nor should he be. And we'll get to talk to Todd Bowles, tomorrow on Thursday, and I'm looking right. forward to that conversation, actually, to see well, if there's any type of change in demeanor. You can't get 38-3 and have the ball barely hit the ground in the first half and then come in with the same attitude. You know what I mean, Scott? Like, it, yeah. it doesn't work that way. Like, you got to come with something special. And you know what, John? I, I called Marshawn Lattimore Marshawn Lynch, you know, and I, I've got to – please forgive me on the podcast um, – I heard Rick Stroud do the exact same he thing. He did. I didn't hear you do it, though. Today. I heard him do it. So, you did it, too. So, huh? I just did. Yeah, apparently I, I did. Right so, now. <laughs> Marshawn Lattimore, not Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is the running back, the Skittles-eating running back who played for the Seahawks and the Raiders and all that. Um, so it, it is Marshawn Lattimore. I know that. I made the same mistake that Rick Stroud did. And you know why? Because I'm old. And so is Rick. <laughs> I'm 48. I think Rick's a couple years older than me. It's what happens. You, I'm going to clip that and I'm going to tag him in it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So uh, he'll own up to it just like I did. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, th- this is interesting. Uh, somebody was was listening and watching uh, the, the press conference. Seems like Mike Evans got pissed when Scott asked uh, if they thought they could win. Yeah. And and, and listen, um, I, I knew what Mike was That was, was good. <laughs> yeah. I knew what Mike was going to say, right. and 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 sometimes, um, sometimes as a reporter, just le- put, peeling back the curtain here a little bit. Yes. Sometimes we need quotes, so sometimes we ask loaded questions oh, to yeah. get the answer that we want and expect. And uh, Mike Evans' answer did not uh, surprise me at all. Uh, he was full of swagger, and uh, that's that's exactly what what I expected from Mike to say. But sometimes we need to to ask the softball question. Sometimes we need to ask the questions of which we know we're going to get the right answer. Well, and, yeah, we need we need things on the record. That's you yeah, know exactly. But and, having and so, that on the record, you know, having him say it the way that he said it on the record, is, even if he might be annoyed by it, is right. good. It's good for fans. It's transparent. You know what I mean? They see what their yeah. leader and their captain is made out of, and that's yeah, that's where that's part of our job. You know, so I thought right. it was a great question. I loved his response too. Absolutely, and I, I'm not. I'm not afraid. I've got a good relationship with Mike. I'm not afraid to piss Mike Evans off. Um, I, I, I pissed off Mike Evans. It's probably a really good thing. Yes, uh, so we. I, then I gave you a ring. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm not. I'm not a uh, you know bothered by that at all. Right. Um, but just to let you know, it's like uh, I, I, th- I think that that's the thing. It's like, and the reason why I asked the question, I asked it of Bruce Arians too, mm-hmm. is because John, we know the Saints believe they can beat the Buccaneers. Why? Right. Why wouldn't they? know that they beat them five straight times right under two coaches uh they've swept them the last two years so 
Of course the Saints know they're going to beat the Buccaneers. Uh, they're going to walk into the Superdome on Sunday uh, expecting to 100% beat the Buccaneers yet again. And in order for the Buccaneers to have a chance of beating them, they have to match that. They have to walk in knowing that they're going to win. And, yeah. and a, a, again, this is for the old-time fans. When I liken this game to the 2002 NFC Championship game, when they lost, when the Buccaneers lost up at Philly during the regular season, John Gruden gets on the bus with Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, and he said, I got him. At the end of the game, he walked in, and they, they, got, they got beat all to hell up there in, um, in Philadelphia. John Gruden's offense, they, they had a, a scoop and score, I believe, from Derek Brooks. Offense didn't do anything that day. John Gruden gets on the bus, looks at Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, and he says, I got him. I got him. I figured it out. You know, I know how to beat them. Yeah. And, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. They finally scored touchdowns rather than the field goals up there in Philadelphia. And uh, the Buccaneers, in order for them to walk into the Superdome and, and dethrone the four-time NFC South champion Saints, have got to have that level of belief. It can't be, well, I hope we're going to beat him this time, and well, we need to beat him this time, and well, we should beat him this time, and well, it's our time to beat him this time. It needs to be, we're going to go to New Orleans, and we're going to kick their ass. Mm -hmm. That's right. the mentality they have to have. If they yeah. don't have that mentality, it's going to be uphill sledding. Because because from a talent perspective, I believe the Bucks' offense is more talented than the Saints. Yeah. However, I believe the Saints' defense is more talented than the Buccaneers, especially mm -hmm. in the secondary. True. And so when you look at that, it's kind of an even matchup from that perspective. But the coaching advantage goes to the Saints. Right. Just because they've outcoached – Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and, and Byron Leftwich. Right. So yeah. uh, they have to, the players on the field have to believe that they're going to make the plays and beat New Orleans. And then they got to go out there and do it. Right. Well, it starts with up front. I mean, that's where I felt like in the first half against the Saints last time, there was just nothing. There was no pressure. There was nothing. And obviously, the soft coverage made it easy for Breeze to get the ball. But that's who Breeze is. He is not going to hold on to the ball. You know, it's just, it's not going to happen. He is the seventh fastest time to throw in the NFL. Brady actually does get the ball out faster, even though Brady averages like three more yard air, air yards per attempt or something like that. So it's yeah. just an insane Brady stat, um, throwing vertically more than anybody else, but still getting the ball out at one of the fastest rates in the league. Um, but Breeze, you know, with him, it's like it is so hard to pressure him. And that seems ridiculous because he's not mobile. You know, he's not like he's not going to get outside of structure and make plays or scramble in the pocket. He just has such a good internal clock and he's such a good mental processor that it's just so difficult to pressure this guy. I mean, the lowest pressure percentage, the lowest pressured quarterback per drop back in the NFL, uh, in the fifth lowest sack percentage in the NFL when it's Breeze in there. Hill's taking some bad sacks. So when Hill's in there, you may be able to get him. He'll hold on to the ball right. and try to make a play or something. But Breeze knows he's got to get the ball out. He and Brady share that trait 100%. And so it becomes very tricky, Scott, to yeah. figure out how to attack Drew Brees because, yes, part of the field is basically off the table with Brees. Not off right. the table, but he's only going to go there if you blow a coverage, I think. like right. He's not going to try and push the ball down the field if the window is condensed at all. It's just not who he is. He's not going to take those risks. He knows if this offense can stay on schedule and stay in good down and distances and not turn the ball over, 
at the end of the day, their defense is great. Their run game's great. Their lines of protection's great. They're probably going to win. So he is, in some ways, he's the perfect manager for this whole thing yeah. because of how cerebral he is. But in other ways, it be well, and, and in the same way, I guess it, it sets up this defense with a really significant challenge. How do you get Drew Brees to make a mistake? Or how do you get him to move off of and hold the ball a little bit longer than he's used to and move off of his first progressions? Is that by blitzing or is it by dropping or is it both, which I'm sure is the right answer, but when do you do what and how do you do what, you know, how do you defend the past? And then how do you create pressure with four? I mean, that would be great. That's probably the the formula. I don't know the bucks can follow that formula and win. They don't have that tier of pass rushers, especially when you think of where the Saints' strength are. So in my mind, Scott, if they aren't going to move around personnel and play the edge guys inside on situational in situational yeah. football, I think Indomitian Sue has to have an awesome game. I think he has to be a difference maker in this game. I don't think Indomitian Sue played particularly particularly well against Washington. I think right. in this game he's got to he's got to empty the clip. And I know I'm 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 not ruling it out. He may be running out of steam here at the end of the season. I get that. Right. Like he's played a ton of football over his career, and I, when I say that, I don't mean games i mean the dude hardly ever comes off the field during his entire career it's insane right and so i understand that there may be some wear and tear scott but at the same time to me that position whoever plays in that role i think going up with caesar ruiz for the saints mm-hmm. it has to be a significant playmaker in this game yeah and i think too devin white has got to be a playmaker with with blitzing at the, the middle and the a gap because that's where you're going to pressure breeze and and i think too what has to go hand in hand with the pressure john and you wrote about this in your bucks briefing They've got to play press man coverage. They've got to to disrupt these Saints receivers, get their hands on them, and and not allow them to uh, to get into their route. And and I know that right. that say Jamel Dean was was called for holding right um, in the last game against Washington because he was playing press man and he got his hand up there on the, the jersey and all of that. I don't mind that to be honest. I'm fine with that. Um, just don't get caught. But I believe sure. that that's the biggest thing is is playing press man because what that does is is that prevents those Saints receivers from getting that that cushion because Breeze is perfectly fine at this stage of his career without having the arm to go deep or the willingness to do so or the speed outside of, of Harris really to get down the field. Michael Thomas is a possession receiver. Emmanuel Sanders at this stage of his career is a possession receiver. But Drew Breeze is fine with picking up five, seven, ten yards a chunk. And, and being patient right. and working methodically down the field. And it's, I think you've mentioned it before, John, it's it's like a death by a thousand cuts. Right. And that's the Saints offense right now. And they'll do that because inside the red zone, they got Michael Thomas, you know, they, they've got uh, the, the big tight end that, that can make things happen. You've got Taysom Hill down there that once you're inside the 10 yard line can run pass option. So right. they can find ways to punch it in the end zone. Oh, and by the way, Alvin Kamara showed a couple of weeks ago he can get inside the, the end zone as well once right. he's in the red zone with six touchdowns. So um, I, I think that's how the Saints want to play this. What you have to do is you have to have Breeze hold on to the football. The only way you do that is not given those wide-open options by playing off coverage, soft zone. It won't work. And, John, we heard Bruce Arians kind of scoff at the fact that the Bears did that on Sunday in their playoff loss to the Saints in New Orleans. And I hope that woke up Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians in the fact that if you're going to go down in this game, go down with the blitz, 
go down with press man and and lose that way uh lose quickly <laughs> lose you know lose the way tyree kill beat you rather than <laughs> i'm just saying like if you're gonna go down with the ship i mean just take it down to the bottom rather yeah. than this slow painful death so yeah. uh, you've got to go after them i mean there's no to. there's no question if you hang back on defense they'll just they'll do what they always do they, yeah. they will so you, you have to go back after john you're not going to get any interceptions right. if you don't blitz drew Brees, you're not going to get any sack fumbles so what i'm saying is is go for broke take chances in this game because if you don't take chances if you set back and expect for for drew Brees to you know to to, to make a mistake he's right. not going to he's not gonna right no, I agree. And and here's the thing. Breeze is great against pressure. You know, that's why it's like, oh, people look at the numbers. Third highest adjusted completion percentage under pressure. Fourth highest NFL rating under pressure. Already said he doesn't even face pressure that often. So it's a smaller sample size. But still, at the end of a season, you're talking about 100-some so snaps. And so, to me, I do think pressuring him is the key. Obviously, that's the key with every quarterback. Now, what type of pressure it is, how effective it is, it has to be married to the coverage. It just does. Yeah. And that's where playing press comes in. And really, I mean, you're not going to be able to play press all game. So when you play zone, too, you've got to just play better. Like, not all of it's on yep. Todd Bowles. I know a lot of it is, and I've been critical of him, but it's not all on Todd Bowles. Like, right. there are times where you're going to play zone. Everybody is in the NFL, and you've got to be able to make plays when that happens. You've got to be able to anticipate where the ball is going. Bucks defense has just been miserable at that, Scott. They just yep. can't anticipate when a throw's coming. They're standing flat-footed and react to routes that are in your zone. And if you get beat once or twice, you get beat by something else. But react and take chances. I mean, honestly, when we, the season started, I wasn't sure what to make of Jordan Whitehead. He's like the only guy that takes chances in zones, like in, in jumps. And I mean, Carlton Davis does, does have some of that as the game goes on a lot of time, but they need more of that from these guys. You know, Jamel Dean's got to play with the confidence that he played with early, early in the season. And so I, I think that has to be a big part of it because you can't blitz every down and you can't blitz six or seven against exactly. your breed. Saints will just go to the screen game, and yeah. there's nobody with a better screen game. So right. you have to do you have to you have to do it with five and four, and you have to be able to get home and find matchups and move guys around and be really creative as a coach. I don't think you can beat the Saints without being creative as a coach and a right. lot of the things that you do. So that to me is the onus that's John, on Todd Bowles. Get those packages creative. John, tell me about the numbers because this is really important in terms of the Bucks scoring, right? And and the thing is, is is this year, right? Tampa Bay was undefeated against teams with losing records and the Buccaneers uh I believe they're they were undefeated every time they scored 30 points or more mm. and um and they've yet they've yet to score in these last uh four games under Bruce Arians they've yet to score uh they've yet to reach that 30 point mark and yeah. that's their season average this year this year right. highest scoring Bucks offense in franchise history 30.8 points per game in the regular season they scored 31 against Washington. They lived up to that mark. Uh, since the bye week, they've averaged about 37 points per game. But John, they're not doing that against the Saints. And the other thing is, in terms of of, of allowing points, the Buccaneers, <laughs> you know, they've only allowed 30 points on defense twice. We, we bitch and moan about this Bucks defense. But the reality of it is, is they've only allowed 30 points or more on two occasions. Right. Um, guess which games those were, John? The Saints. The Saints. The Saints. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I mean, they allowed 31 points. And granted, it wasn't all the defense. There was a Tom Brady pick six in that first one. But the Saints did put up 34 points total. Again, part of that was, was Brady's right. pick six. 
But when you look at, at all of the scores this year, 38 to three was the last uh, meeting where they, they played the Saints. Otherwise, this defense, for all of its faults and warts and, and, and complaints that we have about it, uh, they even held Kansas City to 27 points. They held the, uh, the Los Angeles Rams to 27 points. The Falcons did score 27 points in the last regular season game. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. they scored 27 against the Bucks defense twice. But that seems to be the magic number. But against New Orleans, John, it's been a different story from a defensive standpoint and from an offensive standpoint, not scoring to their season average and then allowing their season average or over it against the Saints twice on defense. Right. That's what I kind of asked. Um, who did I ask about this today? I think it was Chris Godwin. I was like, what? And he didn't give me much, but I was like, what? Do, the Saints have done stuff that other teams haven't that has challenged you. You know, what are those What are those things? I know some of those answers, but wanted to see if he would really put anything into words. And, and he didn't really so much. He said they're really good at doing what they do, and that's true. They can play a ton of different coverages, and they're good at communicating through all of them. That is just a massive – that's the Rams. I mean, the Rams do that too. I'd say – they probably have done it better this year, more consistently this year than even the Saints have done it. But that's that's the I mean, those teams, yeah. you know, they can communicate and get in and out of different coverages and matchups um, really, really well. And I think that's what Godwin was trying to say is that it's hard to pull one over on them, on them and scheme people open uh, harder than it is against other teams. And so they do have a lot of talent in the secondary, Scott. I don't think they have like – to me, it's not like, the, you know, three shutdown corners. I think there are matchups to be won here. Um, I think it's about getting on the same page. I think that it's about cohesiveness and, and communication um, and helping the using the scheme to help get guys open, which is not something they were doing. Remember, I broke down the first 10 routes to Mike Evans before the game was right. out of hand in an article for Bucks Briefing last time, and he didn't get help open on like any of those routes. You know, yeah. and, and nobody did. And so they're doing totally different stuff on offense. I don't care. They're, you know, everybody's like, oh, I think it's just us. We grew and we executed better. No, no, no. Yeah. Like you're doing better stuff than you were doing before. So they have more answers than they had before. So there's tons of good signs for this offense going into this game. There really are. I mean, Saints yeah, defense is good, but the offense for the Bucs has been threatening against basically everyone. When they've, when they've not scored on drives, it's almost always been something that they've done, and those self-inflicted mistakes are becoming less and less as the season's gone on. John, maybe another good sign is the fact that, that the Saints beat the Buccaneers by 11 points in week one, right? They yeah. beat the Buccaneers at, at, at Ray J on Sunday night football by 35 points. But Vegas has the Saints with just a, you know, a, a minus three, the, the Bucs plus three. Yeah. So I think, the, I think Vegas is anticipating this being a much closer game than than those two previous matchups, and and I kind of think it's going to be too. I think the Buccaneers are are a more improved team. They've won five straight now, John, and I believe the Saints are three and two over the last five games. So maybe the Bucks come in with some extra momentum. And and granted, they haven't played a whole bunch of great teams. They played, matter of fact, they played teams. All of the teams they've they've played over the last five games have had losing records, but yeah. they beat them. Right. But John, if I'm going to bet, if I'm going to like hit the line somewhere, where am I going to do it at? Oh, over at my bookie, Scott. Our friends there, you can you can get it done there and win yourself some money. You're damn right, John. It's that time of the year when divisions are decided, champions are crowned, legends are born. It's time for the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rise to the top or fall to the bottom. But now it's your turn to win big. You've heard the name just about everywhere. My bookie. You've heard it here on the Peter Report podcast for three years now. And, John, guess how long I've been betting with my bookie? Three years. That's right. 
They're the industry's leading online sports book and casino. It's not hard to understand why, with thousands of lines to bet on for your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college football. And guess what's back tonight, John? NHL. The Tampa Bay Lightning are playing in about 20 minutes. So we're going to wrap up this podcast a little early so Lightning fans can get out there and watch the Bolts, the defending Stanley Cup champions, take action uh, tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. But if you want to bet on that game, or maybe the Bucks game this week, or the playoffs, or the NBA, the place to do it is at MyBookie. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, touchdown, goal is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use the promo code PEWTER and make your first deposit. The best part about it is is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly. You can use your credit card. You can use bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolutions, and that's a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. And when you do, make sure that you sign up and use the promo code PEWTER. Absolutely, Scott. Good opportunity to win some money there for the Bucks, Scott. Good point here by our friend Brian. Brian, thank you for the super chat. Appreciate you, man. Yes. Bucks are going to pull off the win, somehow get two turnovers. Brady will be the difference. John, don't you dare pick the Saints. <laughs> I have I, let me tell you. Oh man, it's been a week. John? John, it's been a what week. What shirt do you have on? Is that a gold shirt? Is it's that a yellow. black hat you're wearing? It's a yellow shirt, yeah. yeah, black hat. Oh, oh, so it's Steelers. It's not Saints. It's okay. neither, neither are Steelers. Neither are Steelers. Okay. <laughs> I, I've got kind of like a pewter colored uh, uh Columbia pullover on tonight. So. This is actually a pirate's hat. I just wear it this way so you don't know that I'm wearing a pirate's hat because okay. I'm embarrassed by the pirates. <laughs> so no no saint stuff here, but uh, I have, yeah. Oh. All right, it's, here it's we go, one. John. We got Space Ghost, uh, Skadui's perspective. Saints fan here. Andrus Pete, Caesar Ruiz are susceptible to giving up sacks. The Vikings had Everson Griffith and Danielle Hunter on the inside that dominated the Saints O line. John, you talked about this in your Bucks briefing. Yeah, and, this, and I yeah. second that. Tell, tell everybody that hasn't read the Bucks briefing yet what you. Uh, suggested that Todd Bowles do to, to create that inside pressure we're talking about. Yeah, I'm glad actually the Space Ghost brought this up. This is one of the things that happened in the playoffs last year. That's where I was thinking of it from the other day when I mentioned it and wrote about it. Was I was thinking of what the Vikings did by putting those guys inside and having them win those matchups. And that was kind of one of the things that propelled it in my head. It was like, oh man, like this is this is how you win again. You don't do normal things against the Saints yeah. to win. They're kind of like you know they're an anomaly offense. They're not. I mean, they literally, Drew Brees has 26 deep ball attempts on the season. Tom Brady has like 40 deep ball completions on the season. So, I mean, like, it's just, you couldn't ask for two different. So they literally, I mean, he's 12 deep ball completions the whole year. Like, they just don't do it. It's not a matter of like, can they scheme it up? I think they could. They just haven't done it. So you have to make them go to plan B. And if they're going to scheme up those things, Okay, maybe it takes them a half to get to it, and then they start hitting them maybe, and you have to adjust. I get, but again, you have to take them off of plan A. Last yeah. time, what was it? Twenty some twenty eight points in the first like twenty minutes or something. You didn't take yeah. them off plan A, and they, and they have us with a turnover, a random turnover inside the five. You know, right. so you didn't take them off of plan A, and so you have to if you're a defense. You can't let them do what they have practiced all week to be able to do. You have to make them adjust, and they haven't had to adjust really. And now the first game, the the most bizarre thing is in the first game. 
the Bucs really did some good things. I mean, they played some press man. They even got a little bit of pressure. They contained Alvin Kamara. You know, Levante David was great in coverage in that game. White had some ups and downs. But in the second game, it was a concerted effort to attack White and David in coverage, and especially White. And right. he really, really struggled. And so I'm writing an article I'll drop tomorrow about how those guys need to be great in this game. You know, you don't always say that about linebackers because if you're asking me like in a vacuum what the most important positions on a defense are, linebackers probably last to me. Not that it's not important, just not the most important. But yeah. in this game against the Saints and the way that they play with so many short passes over the middle of the field and into the flats and the screen yeah. game and the blitzing, I mean, they're the most important players on the field, you could argue, for the Bucs in this game. They've been targeted more than any other player. Devin White's the most targeted player in the two games against the Saints by far, not even close to a second player. Yeah. And that second player would be Levante David if there was a second. So right. that's who they're attacking. That's who they're going to go after. The Bucs are uniquely positioned with those two if they're playing well. Again, Devin White's just got to chill out. He's too aggressive. He goes flying around. Just chill out. Do your assignment, do your job, and that's what got him into trouble both the first two games. He just didn't yeah. do that enough. When he does that, I, I think they can shut down what the Saints do. I really think the people are in place. It's not like the Saints are the Chiefs where they're going to throw it deep every single play. And, yeah. oh, gosh, I have no idea what Sean Murphy bunting or or <laughs> you know, or Jamel Dean's going to do. Those guys yeah. don't really get picked on in the right. same scheme, and that's why skill set-wise I think the Bucs have the players – they yeah. just need to scheme, and they need the players to play a little We're bit better. We're talking about players, and and we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that Raymond P. brings it up right here. Uh, A.B. has a huge advantage in this game. I expect a big game from him. The, the last time they played the Saints was Antonio Brown's first game. Right. As he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> he was not on the same page at all with, with Tom Brady, right? Right, and Brady and threw an interception where A.B. kind yeah, of stopped we, going down the sideline. and We yeah. didn't even see A.B. and Brady really connect until after the bye week. And then ever since then, it's been touchdown, 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 touchdown. Yeah. Right? I mean, these two have really been in sync. So I agree with Raymond. I, I think that, that Antonio Brown can play a huge role in this game where he was really kind of a non-factor in the first game, even though the Bucks tried to kind of force the ball to him because – you know that they wanted to play with their new toy, but Antonio right. Brown now is is ready to go, and he has really been, uh, you know, a big time uh, asset to this team. And he, you know, who else looked like he was ready to go was Donovan Smith. He really stepped up to the challenge of, of going up against a very good player in Chase Young, even though he's a rookie. Mm -hmm. And John, uh, the Saints have kind of been Donovan Smith's kryptonite, but you have to like the fact that he's healthy. He played really well against Chase Young, made him in, invisible, and. It's all about protection, as the skeptic's view says. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, Carl Granderson, yeah. uh, Marcus Davenport, they've given Donovan Smith problems, especially in New Orleans. And and I got to think that Donovan Smith is, is ready to go and finally get, you know, just, you know, get the monkey off his back and, and really uh, play well against New Orleans. Because, again, that, that's been a, a team that has foiled him yeah, and, and I, I think Donovan Smith is is ready to build on last week and and to really play standout football again. He has to in order mm -hmm. for the Bucks to win. Yeah, and again, he's been playing you know really good football since the bye, and so he's another one that kind of coming out of the bye has been at his best. And that was pretty. I mean, last year he played his best football as the season went on. He's a slow starter a little bit. Um, week one was was tough for him, and you know he didn't play his best with the new guard next to him in week nine against the Saints. You know, I think there was some. 
some some communication issues that made it hard for him with those guys against twists and games. The Saints did a great job of attacking uh, of attacking Joe Haig, and Donovan Smith had a hard time handling the lack of communication. You know, when you're tr- passing off twists, you want to be on the same level and not leaving this gap between you. And they weren't on the same level a lot of the time. And so, one of the things I'm really excited about is tomorrow on the podcast we're going to be going live at 8 p.m. So it'll be a little bit later. But Brandon Thorne is coming on with me. For those of you wow. who know and follow him on Twitter, yeah, he's O-line expert, D-line yeah. expert. He watches like every snap of those guys every week. He had Tristan Wirfs, Ryan Jensen, and Ali Marpet on his first or second team All-Pro after watching like every snap of all O-line and D-line this season. And so he is he's unbelievable, and we're going to yeah. have him on the show tomorrow at 8 p.m., and he's going to be able to break down. We're going to break down each and every matchup because it's where this yeah. game will be won or lost, That's offensive right. line for the Saints against Bucks defensive line, D-line, O-line on the other side right. of the ball. We're going to break down every matchup and where the advantages are and how – certain players can beat other players in this game. So it's going to be a great show tomorrow. That's 8 p.m. So we'll be a little bit later. He's, I think, either West Coast or Midwest, one of those time zones. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to be a little bit later to help him out. But it's going to be well worth the wait. That show is going to be really fun. He's going to bring a lot of insight. And we're going to talk a ton more about those matchups. You're talking about offense and defensive line. And I applaud the Bucs for going with Aaron Stinney over Ted Larson at right guard in this game. Um, I'd rather go with with the younger – physically stronger yep. unknown player than the older smaller shorter um <laughs> me too veteran player Ted Larson did not look ready to play did not play I mean, well at all against I mean, if it wasn't for Brady it could have been yeah. Brady's just so good at knowing right. who's gonna get beat oh, whether, and, I mean it's like he has and, six and way, John the the, the the highest graded player per uh, pro football focus on the Saints defense isn't Cam Jordan Jordan's number two right. number one is David Anyamata and he's, guess what? Yeah, he's he's, he's awesome. Against, he's going up against Aaron Stinney, seven sacks. And, right. and we and, we mentioned Trey Hendrickson. Hendrickson has fourteen sacks for the Saints this year. Yeah. A career year. He's their he's their guy that they like to to have in in third and long situations. He and Marcus Davenport kind of rotate at that that right defensive end spot, and that's what makes it I think difficult for Donovan Smith is is you're going to see you know Cam Jordan's going to going to play almost every snap at left defensive end against Tristan Wirfs. Mm. But Donovan Smith, they threw three different guys at him right. in, in Davenport, Hendrickson, and and Carl Granderson. And each one of those guys, I don't think Davenport got a sack, but I know Hendrickson got a, got several, and Granderson got one in the season opener. And and that, that's a difficult matchup when you got to sit there and adjust to the, the, the different playing styles for three different players that you face on that side. Oh yeah, you're right. And it's so different. I mean, and that's one thing we'll talk with Brandon about um, is, I mean, Marcus Davenport is like a power long arm guy. Trey Hendrickson wants to get like in close and then work a move and corner on you and rip and Granderson. I don't even know what Granderson isn't even that athletic or skilled, but he has somehow made noises. He just plays really hard. Um, He tries crazy things. Like he got him with like a ghost move that wasn't even well executed, but Donovan like lunged out at it. It was just kind of like an ugly rep. So anyway, uh, there's there's challenges there. I do think Onyemata actually mostly plays right defensive tackle, so he'll mostly be going up against Ali Marpet, which is strength on strength, and they didn't have yeah, that. You, Onyemata. You know, if you go back and look at that Bears tape, you played an awful lot Did of he left play on the left side tackle, and they had, check. had Malcolm Brown at the right side quite a bit. Um, so th- that's that's just I, listen. He's their best defensive player. I think they're going to put him against the weakest link on the yeah. Buccaneers. Try to exploit that matchup. So uh, you're, you're going to see. You know those guys switch spots. I'm sure Sheldon Rankins will 
will will be in the mix along with Malcolm. So Brown. many guys too, by the way. We've named yeah. like eight dudes, and they're all good. They really do. So listen, a couple of Buck fans, and listen, it, listen. I, I know you 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 guys tune in to hear John and myself and Mark Cook and 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 Matt and and Taylor from Pew Report talk to you and give us our expert insight and, and opinions and analysis. But Bucks fans, like you Peter Report podcast readers, listeners, viewers, um, you're the best. You guys are so smart. That's why we we're putting up so many of your comments and questions because you guys get it. You guys are clearly the most educated Bucks fans around. That's what we love about you guys. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast four times a week. Thanks for reading PeterReport.com. Uh, you guys are so knowledgeable. And and uh, so you're right. Hendrickson's dinged up. Let's get to the injury report real quick. For the Buccaneers, Alex Kappa didn't participate. That's no surprise. They brought Who in. hasn't been put on injured reserve yet? That's interesting. I know. <laughs> He's probably like, don't you put me in injured reserve. Yeah. Not <laughs> yet. Uh, but they're, they're going to as, lo- as, as soon as Larry uh, uh, Watford uh, yeah, comes Earl in. Earl Watford, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, uh, Earl Watford. As soon as Earl Watford comes in, uh, they'll put him on an injured reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, he, Earl Watford's going through COVID protocols. Carlton Davis, groin injury, limited participation. Mike Evans, knee injury, limited. Same thing with Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, who did not participate. Uh, so a little bit of difference there with the knee injury. LaShawn McCoy, full participation from his illness. We didn't see Ronald Jones out there today. Quad, finger injury, didn't participate. Good news is Chris Godwin, hip and quad injury. He was limited, but he was out there. Jeremiah Ledbetter, it doesn't sound like he's probably going to play, John. That calf injury, yeah. uh, is he was also not participating. For the Saints, not as many players on the injury list. Three guys didn't participate. Taysom Hill with a knee injury. He hurt that knee against Chicago. It's going to be interesting to see because he's a difference maker because he can get in there as a running quarterback, play the wild card position, the wildcat position, and and run the ball, um, like kind of single wing, wing T, you know, type of of football. He can also throw it. He can also line up as a receiver, tight end, and catch it. He can also return kicks. So Tyson Hill, the quarterback with a knee injury, did not participate. Latavius Murray, the running back, quad recep injury, didn't participate. Patrick Robinson, hamstring injury, didn't participate. They had three players in New Orleans that were limited. Teron Armstead, the, the great tackle with an elbow injury, limited. Jared he Cook, the tight end. Season for him, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. Back injury, limited. And then uh, Trey Hendrickson with a neck injury, limited. So uh, I'm sure, John, you'll give uh, Bucks fans the, the latest injury report tomorrow night mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock on the Peter Report podcast. You can always find out the injury reports on PeterReport.com. And uh, if you want to go for for information, John, on the Buccaneers, you know where you go, right? You go to PeterReport.com. You yeah, follow absolutely. us on Twitter. You follow us on Facebook. You go to YouTube. You go to Peter Report TV. You click on subscribe. You click on notifications, and you become one of our subscribers on YouTube. That way, when we go live with these podcasts, you'll get those notifications. But, John, when you want insurance, where do you go? Oh, you go to Briar Greaves. You're damn right you go to Briar Greaves. What a year for the insurance world. Think about it. A record number of named hurricanes and storms. More than 30 flooding in addition to wildfires out west, not to mention the COVID-19 pandemic. With the commercial property and homeowner rates increasing, the industry, listen, it's been hit with all these catastrophes. Briar Greaves Agency has numerous carriers and options to help new and existing clients that have been affected by these rate increases. 
Although these catastrophes have caused billions of dollars in damages uh, from water damage, from, from leaking pipes, washing machines, ice maker hoses leaking, uh, water heaters uh, bursting. Listen, those are all of the number one claims for homeowners. Briar Greaves is going to help you take care of all of that. He's going to examine the existing policies that you may have and make sure that you have the correct coverage, not just the best pricing. Personal and commercial automobile insurance is another line of business that Briar Greaves Insurance covers. So they can help shop through all of the carriers like Progressive, MetLife, Safeco, Allstate, just to name a few. But you got to go to the website, briargreavesinsurance.com, or give them a call at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166. They got personal and commercial auto insurance. Uh, they've got life insurance that's being purchased at record-breaking amounts due to individuals thinking about their future of their families because of the pandemic. If you're in good health, medical exams can usually be waived as a requirement and accelerate the life insurance purchase to protect families. The, broke, the folks at Briar Greaves Insurance, you know they're big Bucks fans. We talk about it all the time. And they're proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast on pewterreport.com. So go to, to briargreavesinsurance.com, give them your business, help the businesses that help Pewter Report. Got a question here. I think it's a question. Uh, NFL Bedsheets would like to know if I'm rocking a Steelers shirt on a Bucks podcast. I am not. I don't think I own a Steelers shirt, actually. This is yep. a shirt from where I went to school, Waynesburg University. Uh, just some shirt that I was wearing at this point go. in time. So, no, I'm not wearing a Steelers shirt. And somebody asked if this Ooh. was a Pirates hat. It is a Pirates hat. Yeah. But, uh, I'm okay. not even a Pirates fan. I just have yeah, yeah, we're, we're already seeing we've got some, some, uh, some forecasts in here. We've got some predictions. This is the Pewter Report prediction podcast. We do this every Wednesday. Hopefully, we'll do it again next week. Uh, let's, let's go for it, John. What's, what are your predictions for, uh, for this week's game? <sighs> Oh man, Scott! This is your time. This is your time to chime in. We're we're gonna we're gonna keep this under an hour tonight. We got the uh, we got the lightning game coming up. So, uh, but let's let's hear what you got, John. Well, I thought about this one a lot, obviously, and by a lot, I mean pretty much every second since the box one. And uh, you know, sixteen and one on the season. Uh, it's not a big deal, but uh, it feels like a big deal because um i realized that there's this there's a couple ways to go about this i mean i realized that if i don't pick the box i'm gonna have a lot of people very angry with me probably angrier than they would be just on a normal prediction if i picked against the box like the last time that i picked against the box and it was yeah. the in week nine picked against the box in week one and i picked against the box in week nine scott um i think this is a different team than that team i'm just going to be honest i think it's a different team i think it's a different offense and i think offense matters more than defense it may not matter enough if the defense plays as poorly as they've been. Um, I can't help it, though. Todd Bowles has to have something up his sleeve, right? He has to have something that he goes to. Like, yeah. I mean, I just can't – I can't believe that he would come out in the same thing. And I – so seeing how they played def defense the first time against the Saints, I know it was a long time ago, but I think he knows some things that work, and I think he got away from them the last time they played the Saints and a perfect storm of things caused the game to get away from them early, and I don't think – if, the, if that game would have been closer, the Bucks' offense going back and forth with them in that game, maybe it would have been a little bit more reflective in the way that game went in terms of, okay, the defense isn't getting that. We've made some adjustments. But it happened so quickly in such a short amount of time that I'm not sure the adjustments are there to be made. So I say all that to say I have enough faith that the Bucs – barely any faith, but that they can just put it together something. And the Bucks' offense is rolling right now. 
I think Tom Brady's a better quarterback than Drew Brees right now. It's very possible that the factors around him don't let him look like a better quarterback in this game, like they didn't in the at least the second game. I think the first game he still was looked better, but in the, in this like he did in Week Nine. But in a vacuum, he's the better quarterback. That has to matter in games like this. I think um, as long as another part of your team doesn't completely fall apart, I'm going with the Bucks. I'm doing it. I think that the third really? time. I'm going with them. I, I think that the third time they can get it done, Scott. I think that there's too much talent. I think they're clicking right now. I saw offensive confidence I had not seen uh, in any other game this season against Washington. I've seen it building toward that. They can do a lot of different things, I think, to hurt you on offense. I think that they've learned something from the last loss. I mean, 38-3, to three, man, if that doesn't make you go back and reinvent the wheel and come out with an edge in this game, I think that then you're, I think that you're missing something you need as a franchise. I don't think – the Bucs are missing that. I think they have that. I think they need to show it in this game. I think they'll do it. Final score, 35 to 34. Bucks score a touchdown with about 45 seconds left. They're down 34-28. They score a touchdown. Ryan suck up, boom, extra point. Bucks win 35-34 in a game for the ages. Wow. That's, that's quite the prediction, John. Well, I start off this podcast by talking about how I see this Bucks Saints playoff game and the bully mentality that the Saints have had over the Buccaneers for really the, the past several years, but certainly the last five matchups, as it reminds me of how the Eagles used to just dictate the terms of, of victory to the Buccaneers. And um, the Buccaneers finally rose up, right? They finally did yeah. it on the road in Philly. They shut down the vet. Rondé Barber uh, suckered Donovan McNabb. He he set up his own play, his own 92-yard pick six. Right. Uh, unfortunately, there's no Rondé Barber on this on this <laughs> roster. In, That's in, for sure. In, in, in the secondary. So uh, I say that. But, but listen, uh, some old Buccaneer fans might remember my prediction for that Bucks eagles game in 2002 in the NFC championship game. Mm. And I, I'm going to say now what I said then, which was prove it to me. Show me you can beat the Eagles. Show me you can do it. Mm. Because until you do, I don't believe you. Show me, Buccaneers. Show me you can beat the Saints. Because right now, I don't believe you. And you mm -hmm. know what happened? They did. And I right. was wrong. That's that right. was the winning formula. <laughs> I and mean, I had, went on to happen. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it, right? I, I didn't go out right. there and play, play a lick. But you know what I did after the Bucks finally beat the Eagles? I went on Jim Rome. I was a guest on Jim Rome hmm. after the uh, the NFC Championship game that week, and and because th there was no uh, extra week, they went right from the championship game. There was no bye week before the Super Bowl. They went right into the Super Bowl, and. Right. And I and I was on the Jim Rome show, and and I I said uh, that they're going to beat the, the the Raiders that that they've already won. They've already won the game because they beat the Eagles. Right. And and Jim Rome was like, you know, what are you talking about? Like like you do realize that John Gruden's going against his old team, and Rich Gann is the NFL MVP. This is the highest scoring offense in the league. They got Charlie Garner and Jerry Rice and Jerry Porter. And I said they've already won. They've already won because mm -hmm. they beat the Eagles. So, so what I'm gonna if do they it, beat the Saints, they beat the Saints. They're going to beat the Packers in the win. NFC Championship <laughs> game, and they're going to the Super Bowl. But first, they got to beat the Saints. Yeah. And John, in order to do that, they got to prove me wrong. That's right. Because right now, I think that the Dennis Allen and Sean Payton 
they've proven they, they can outcoach the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And I think Tom Brady's going to play a much better game than he has, throwing two touchdowns and five interceptions in the two games. And and I think that maybe they agree, uh, you know, that that that, uh, that that they're as good as the Saints, but they got to prove it. And right. until they do, I'm going to have to pick the Saints. And and I hope that I'm wrong. Right. And I hope that lightning strikes twice, just as it did back in 2002 against an arch nemesis, against a bully, because the Buccaneers need to beat the bully. Right. So I'm going to pick the Saints in this one, uh, 31 to 28, wow. and they win by a field goal. Wow. And I hope to God I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong for every listener and viewer we have in this podcast. I hope I'm wrong for everybody that goes to PeterReport.com. I hope I'm wrong for every Buccaneer fan out there, and I hope I'm wrong for the Buccaneers, players, coaches, front office themselves right. because they put so much into the season. But I've always believed, John, that – that this this was not the season for the Buccaneers. I always believed that the second year of Tom Brady, especially yeah. COVID and pandemic, is the year. Right. So don't don't lose heart if they don't get it done on Sunday. Oh yeah, I, I think their chances are way better in 2022. Well, future is bright for this franchise, no matter what. And that's crazy to say with a 43 year old quarterback. But when yeah. your 43 year old quarterback looks like this one, you're all right. So you and we'll talk more about this, but. There's a lot of question. There are five teams in the NFC this year, Scott. Five that yeah. had winning records. Five teams, and a couple of those teams are not headed in the right direction after this year. And I'm not saying you win anything by default, but the Bucks are going to be uniquely positioned. This is a fun time to be a Bucks fan. You pray for health, uh, yeah. and you pray for consistency and no drama within the organization. But with with a with an organization full of this many classy individuals, you know, and and this many people who are focused on the right things. I think the future is bright no matter what happens in this game. So that's a that's a fun part of it to me because it's not like a yeah. oh, window's closed. You know, with the Steelers, for example, this year, like I didn't think they were actually going to compete for anything. But like when you lose, it's time to look in the mirror and it was going to be, OK, it's time to turn a page yeah. on the front. You know, that's not where the Bucs are at. You know, yeah. they may have an older quarterback. They have a younger, great roster and they've done a great job of drafting and bringing in players. So it's an organization headed in the right direction. But can they take the next step on Sunday? That's I right. say Bucks win barely. You say Saints win barely. It's going to be. I I just hope it's a great game and yeah. that it isn't like last time because last time was not indicative of who the Bucks are. Even in the games against the Rams and, and Chiefs, who were better teams than the Bucks were at that point in the season, that you know they competed. They came back and they competed in those games. And the yeah. Saints game that was really not that was a, an anomaly I think of a performance. Um, and so I just hope you know it doesn't mean they'll win, but the first game yeah. was more indicative of okay, this is yeah. how this competition can be. And even then, I, I think agree. the Bucks are much better than that point in time. And so are the Saints. And so it should be fun. We're getting both teams at their best in the playoffs in a huge rivalry, and it's going to be a blast. So anyway, thanks so much for listening. Tomorrow, 8 p.m., we're live. Brandon Thorne, he and I are going to be talking about the O-line, D-line matchups in this game, the individual matchups, who plays where, how they handle each other, what kind of impact it'll have on the game. We got all that covered for you uh, on uh, Thursday, tomorrow's podcast, 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, we'll be live 8 p.m., so make sure you tune in, jump in on that one, and then we'll be live again. It'll be Sunday. It'll be Sunday, uh, and it'll be Sunday night after the game. It'll be kind of a late one because the game, what, 640 or 620? 640 maybe? 640 on 640, Sunday. I think, yeah. yeah. So so it'll be a late, it'll be a later podcast. We'll go live after Aaron's and the pressers yeah. after. Um, but again, you got you all jumped in with us and we had a record show uh, yeah. after the last game. So I have no doubt win or lose, y'all will be with us after that one too. So it's going to be fun stuff and we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, 8 p.m. with Brandon Thorne. So until then, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.